Would you like to be part of the next generation of mindfulness meditation instructors? We invite you to take a unique opportunity to earn your teacher certification with Jack Cornfield, Tara Brock, and some of today's leading mindfulness meditation instructors. To get the training you need to guide others in their journey, visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash get certified. Welcome to the Krishna Das Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishna Das shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishna Das's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. See when we stop chanting, it's it's. It's like all of a sudden we're in a big room, right? It just seems like there's a lot of space around it, whereas usually all day long we're like rats <laughs> running around after cheese. But when we finish chanting, all of a sudden that quiet, that silence, which is there when we're chanting, which is what we're invoking when we chant, silence means the space around the thoughts, the sky and the clouds are the thoughts. There's always the sky, but we see the clouds. We forget there's a sky there. A chanting is reminding ourselves that there really is a sky. But in order to experience that, we have to let go of those thoughts. We have to extract ourselves from the storylines that we're so delighted by. There's a story about Indra. He had slept with some other god's wife or something, so he was cursed to be born as a pig. And uh, so he lived his life as a pig. He was so happy as a pig. Slopping around in the shit and the mud, and yeah, I eating crap. It was fantastic. He just loved it. He was so happy. He was so happy, in fact, that when his life was, he was getting ready to leave his pig body. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to go back to being Indra. He wanted to stay a pig. Hello, little piggies. That's what we are. We're just so. We're so enamored of our stuff that we don't want to let it go. Even if we hate it, that's also being enamored. When we hate ourselves, that's attachment too. So, so the, the practices of chanting and meditation and all the stuff that we do, they're all, they're all about the same thing. It's extracting us from that constant storyline that runs 24-7 that we believe. Why do we believe it? I mean, really? You know? Isn't what I, Yeah, why do we believe it? I don't know. But we do. And of course, believing 
in one particular reality and denying or not being aware of all the other realities is what they call insanity. Welcome. This is our insane asylum, Earth. There's only one way out. Waking up. It's just a dream. Just a dream, just a dream. Who remembers that song? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you don't remember it. You don't even remember what 45s are, do you? You, was, you saw a 45? That was a that was a statement, a retro statement. That's all it was. <laughs> I remember I got my first forty-five. The player forty, you know, the forty-fives were small little records with a big hole in the middle, and they came. the The player, the record player, came like with this thick kind of lingam, <laughs> and you offered the, the records to the lingam. And you got sound. It was so great. I was doing Shiva Puja even as a kid. I just still listen. I, I, all that I did was just listen to those records all day long. On Tuesdays, almost every Tuesday, I got sick and couldn't go to school. Because on 1010 Wins New York, they played the top 100 starting at 100. And I would listen on my little radio. I had this little brown radio, you know, AM radio. I'd listen, I'd keep charts, you know, this, what charted the movement of the, the songs over the weeks. There she is. <laughs> We've been waiting. It's okay. Thank you for giving darshan. So nice of you. So, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Shiva Puja. When you bow to Shiva, you're bowing to that space. Shiva is chittakash, the space of the of the of the of the, of the mind of consciousness, the conscious, the sky of consciousness. Everything happens inside of that. So when we're releasing our st from our stuff into this moment, it, we're releasing into that vast space. Which is always here. It's not, there's nothing outside of that space. There's nowhere you can go outside of that space because that space envelops everything. But we're not aware of that space. You know, we go around doing our stuff, which should be perfectly fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing our stuff, except for one thing. It ain't enough. That's all. It, but you know, it's not supposed to be enough. That's the other thing. Who said that stuff was ever going to be enough? Anybody who knew anything? No. In fact, all Buddha said when he came out of the jungle is, yo, monks, stuff... Ain't enough. The first poem of Buddhism. Stuff ain't enough. It's not supposed to be enough. You're not supposed to get water from a stone. 
No matter how much you squeeze it, water will not come. Actually, probably, if you had some atomic squeezer, you could get water out of it. But for us, no matter how hard we squeeze a stone, we'll never get water. You shouldn't expect water, right? And if you don't expect water, you won't be unhappy not to get it. How about relationships? If you don't expect happiness, you won't be disappointed when you don't get it. You get a lot of things from relationships. Let's face it, relationships are really difficult and probably one of the best ways to learn about ourselves. But that's not why we got into them. Right? That's not why. Yeah, I think I'll, wow, this is going to be great. I'm going to really learn a lot. Mm -hmm. As he smoothed his hair out and put on his nice clothes. Yeah, I'm going to learn a lot. Yeah. So if we didn't, ex- it's, it's our expectations which are wrong. So that's why I always say we have only one problem in life. Bad aim. We're aiming at happiness. Everybody's aiming at love and happiness. But we got bad aim. We're shooting at the wrong stuff. That's all. So practices get us better aim. Simple. That's all. It's not hard. It's not hard to understand. But it takes practice. That's why they call it practice. I was just doing a weekend with Bob Thurman, the great Buddhist scholar and practitioner. And Sharon and I always talk about, Sharon Salzberg and I always talk about how important practice is. Of course, she actually does some. (laughs) But we both talk about it. And he was saying, enough of this practice. Let's get to the performance. Yeah, but you know, we forgot that that's even why we're practicing. So it's not so easy to perform be happy. That's the performance. Ram Nam Karna says Sabhuda Hojata. It's written right here. That's what Maharaj used to always say. Not there. It's on over here. It's written. In this case, here is there. But every other time, here is here. But this right just happens to be there. Of course, there is here also. So, uh, Maharaj, from, from chanting, from repeating these names, these what they call the names of God or the divine name or the sacred name. Sacred because it's real. Sacred because it's happiness. It's real love. It's the name of love. It's the name of that place within us. That place within us. It's not outside of us. It's not somewhere else, and it's not someone else. I remember sitting in front of Maharaji. Every day I'd put on my, my holy clothes, and I'd come and sit in front of him, you know. And one day I realized I was waiting for him to touch me or do something, and I would be enlightened, right? And the way I understood intuitively that the way I would know that I was enlightened is that I wouldn't be here. That makes sense to you? (laughs) I didn't think so. You're all so much higher than I am. Because the next thing I realized was that, wait a minute. 
There's never going to be a time when I won't be here. And I recognize that so-called enlightenment is exactly the opposite of what I thought. Not only did I recognize that, but somebody who actually got enlightened recognized that. Um, what was his name? I think it was um, Nagarjuna, one of the great Buddhist Mahasiddhas, an Indian Mahasiddhas. When he became enlightened, he said, oh, my, he didn't say, oh, my God, but he said, I gewalt. <laughs> he said, oh, it's, a, it's totally, it's exactly the opposite of what I thought. This is somebody who actually, you know, woke up. So if we think about what we're trying to get when we do practices, if you really look at that, clearly we see we're trying to get away from ourselves. We're trying to get away from our stories, certainly. But there's this innate kind of self-loathing that we have that doesn't accept that we're worthy of love. And so if we want love, not only does it happen to... Does it, no, not only does it have to happen to somebody else, but it has to be some, some other time, some other place, some other, somewhere else. If you don't see these things, these are the shadows. If you don't see the shadows, they keep pushing you around. I'm sorry, I really am. I'm sorry for myself too. I'm sorry for everybody. But if you don't see these shadows, not that you have to spend your whole life looking for the shadows, but if you don't notice what's driving your, your, your life and your practices and your behaviors, you keep having car crashes with your life because you're not paying attention and those shadows are pushing us around. The only reason I'm singing is because I have to. I have to. I wasn't singing. 20 years had gone by since Maharaji left the body. And I wasn't doing anything. Well, <laughs> not exactly true. <clears throat> but a lot of things I was doing, I shouldn't have been doing. But I was. But anyway, I recognized if I didn't sing, all of a sudden it hit me like a, a lightning bolt in my room. If I did not sing and it was with people, hi. <laughs> if I did not sing with people, I would never be able to clean out the dark corners in my own heart, the shadows in my own heart. And what was understood, and obviously, was that that's the only cause of my unhappiness, was my own shadows, my own stuff. And if I didn't sing, singing, chanting with people was the only thing that was given to me to do. So it took me a while to get with the program. But I did. I am with the program. And regardless of whatever else is happening in my life, I, I sing as much as I can. Which is the saving grace. Because lots of stuff happens every day. We get run over by so many things all day long. If we don't have a practice that we can lean on, a practice that we know that if we really give ourselves to it, even for a few minutes, it's going to change the way we go through our day. It's going to change our relation to what's coming towards us every moment. And that's what practice does. And nobody can make you do a practice, really. We do it for all kinds of reasons. Like Anyway, so it's good to...
it's good to kind of pay a little bit of attention to that as you go through your day, as you go through your life. You know, once again, it's the intention behind what we do that creates the karma. One time I was driving a Dada, who was one of Maharaji's great old devotees. Uh, I was driving him around the neighborhoods in upstate New York where we were. He came to visit. And as we were driving down this country road, this squirrel ran out. And I tried to avoid it, and I hit it. And I started to go, oh, Dada, look at that. I killed that squirrel. I didn't even want to do it. It was totally, what kind of karma is that? And he said, just drive. (laughs) Not only did he say it about the squirrel. (laughs) So Maharaji all of a sudden started calling me driver. That was my first name. Everybody got like Krishna, Ram, or, you know, Hanuman. I was driver. And he took Ramdas's keys. Ramdas bought him a minibus, a Volkswagen minibus from some people in India. And um, we were driving all around India with it. And um, we're chasing after Maharaji. And uh, so he, he said to Ramdas, give, give him the keys. So he gave me the keys to the bus. I was the driver. He called me driver, driver, ah, driver. So, so I had this desire to drive Maharaji in the car. Right. I didn't say anything to anybody, but I always it was like on the tip of my tongue, you know. I just had it there. I wanted this to happen somehow. So I always kept the keys with me, even if I kind of knew we weren't going to use the car. I always kept them with me. <clears throat> A lot of time went by, maybe almost eight or nine months probably. And I, one day Maharaji just looked at me and said, got the keys? I said, yeah. He said, let's go. Yeah. So we head out to the car, out of the house. And now Indian, he was short, you know, next to Westerners. Indians mostly short. So, and the Volkswagen bus, you know, the seat is high. You have to kind of even, you have to kind of throw yourself up on the seat a little bit. So Dada, I'm walking behind him and Dada. Dada's holding his hand. They're walking to the, the passenger side. And Dada opens the door, and Maharaji throws himself up into the bus, and he bashes his head on the the door, the top of the the thing. I mean, just like, whack. And I just like, ah, what is that? You know, oh, my God, my desire to drive him in causes him to hurt himself, and I'm going to kill myself with a heart of cutie. This is all in about 10, you know, a millionth of a second. I'm like, ah. And I said, Dada. Did you see that? And Dada was one of Maharaji's greatest devotees. I can't even describe to you. What did he say to me? He did it on purpose. Just drive. <laughs> That's devotion. That is such... Because, you understand? Nothing Maharaji did was by chance in Dada's eyes. He did everything on purpose. Everything that happened, he did consciously on purpose. So that was exciting. And then I got in the car, and we started driving, and he, he was like, I, I didn't even know how to describe it. He was like, watch out, watch out, there's a car there, watch out, be careful, don't, don't turn there, go safe, watch out, slow down, don't fa- you're going too fast, watch out. Have Nonstop for 20 minutes, from there to the banks of the Ganga. He told me, go to, drive to the Ganga, drive to the Ganga. Oh, go this way, watch out. 
We get to the Ganga. We stop. I turn the car off. We sit there for maybe 30 seconds. He says, okay, let's go back. <laughs> but there's an interesting thing now. I can't prove this to you. But just after that, Maharaji sent us back, sent us off to do this uh, pilgrimage in South India with Swami Muktananda, which Ramdas had previously promised Swami Muktananda that he would do this thing with him. So Maharaji said, you said you'd do it? Now go. Because Maharaji say, my mantra is jow, go away. That's my mantra. People would come, he said, go. You've come, how nice, now go. Hi, here, take prasad and go. I said, everything's okay, good, now go. He said, my mantra is go away. That's what he said. So there we were. We, so we started to drive out of Allahabad, and we're driving. This is just after he banged his head. Driving around, and I was driving, and I was going fast, too fast. And as I realized, when I started to go around this turn, and there was a reservoir right there, or a big lake, and there was no wall or anything. And we're going around, and we were going straight for the lake. I, the turn was very sharp, and, I, and those buses don't handle. So I couldn't make the turn, and I'm going, oh. And I felt the car kind of sliding off towards the road, towards the van. And all of a sudden, this wind came. <laughs> we're back right on the road. That was the bang of the head. He took that on. He saved us from that. No question about it. So... That's what I mean. Everything he did was really on purpose, actually. So, Ram Nam Karnase Sapuda Hojata. He used to say this all the time. From repeating these names, from, from doing these things, whether you do it silently or out loud, everything is made complete. Everything is brought to fullness and completion. How can that be? From going, Ram, 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 Ram. Your whole life's going to become good. That's what he said. <laughs> the problem is that what we think we want is not what we're going to get. So there's a little bit of letting go that has to happen. Little by little, what we begin to understand is we've developed an ability to live through situations that might have destroyed us before. That's one thing. That's a very negative way kind of of looking at it. But hey, I'm a depressor from New York. What do you want? <laughs> we get the ability. We don't know how we got the ability to do that, for that to happen, because we're not really doing it. We just get hit with this stuff, and we sink. But we don't sink quite as far. Because this is the blessing of the name. This is what the name does. This is what the practice gives to us. It gives us, uh, it just deepens our center of gravity. So when we fall, we don't hurt ourselves so badly. And we're going to fall. There's no protection against falling. It happens all the time. How do we deal with it? That's the question. Or that's the issue. The best way to deal with it, as far as Maharaji and all the Babas I've met in India, take the name when you can. Repeat the names. That's what they say. What can I say? I wish I could explain it to you, but I can't.
That, but that's what they say. And you will experience yourself what this means as time goes on. There's no question about that. Everything we need is within us. All the experiences we're going to have are going to come from within. Where else would they happen? Somewhere else? You're meditating and somebody next door gets happy? Wait a minute. <laughs> no, it happens here. So, But it, happiness and love are not exactly what we think. We will find out what they are, what they really are, because that's who we really are already. Like this space we're talking about is always here, but we're not aware of it. It's not a physical thing. It's a presence. It's a it's being. It's being. It's it's I am. It's 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 Buddha nature. It's all kind. You can call it anything. Just about. So. Any questions or anything, or what do you want to talk about? Anybody? Hello, Krishna Das. Hello. Um, my name is Megan. I'd like to share um, an experience that I had here in May in your last um, Yoga View concert. Okay, you know, I want you to know I have a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and I have witnesses. So. Right, right. Um, okay. it's, um, it was a very interesting experience for me because I'm not filled with fru, fru, fru. I'm very pragmatic and a person that needs to have proof to believe in things. And for the first time I came, because my daughter has been here for six years, and I was like, let me go see it. Uh-huh. And I was enjoying very much. And um, for the first time, she was being home and singing the Hanumacha Lisa. And I'm like, oh, for the first time I hear you sing the Hanumacha Lisa, and that day you have said, but Sunday. Mm-hmm. Sunday morning, oh, yeah. you have said that um, you were looking for your guru for so long, and uh, then you sang the Hanumacha Lisa. And then it was like 10 minutes on the Hanumacha Lisa, I closed my eyes, and I saw, I saw, I saw just below you, your guru. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, they start crying. My heart opened, and I'm like, I can't believe this. I, I'm just feeling love right now. And Disgusting. There was that oneness, and you forgot the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? No. <laughs> I forgot. I was like, that's a proof. <laughs> yeah. Because I have to prove on everything. But it was a very transformative Wonderful. because very nice. I took him to learn the Hanumacha Lisa. Wonderful. It really changed my uh, relationship with the practice. So. Good. Very nice. Just want to share that with everybody. Thank you. Anybody? Come on, you wimps. Here it is. This is my first time to Yogaville. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, did darshan this morning uh, with Sachidananda. So could you tell us a personal story uh, with your experience with Sachidananda? Swami Sachidananda? Yes, please. My, I didn't have much 
time with him. Only I saw him a few times. First time I met him in New York. Uh, the first time I went for yoga class on the Upper West Side. Maybe it was 1966 or seven. I'm not sure. And uh, I walked in, and this guy says, "Hi, I'm Hardy." I said, "Hi, Harry." <laughs> and he got very uptight with me. No, it's Hardy. So that was my last yoga class. <laughs> so then one time I, I, I met Swamiji and I, I, we waited in line to speak to him and he, he said, yes, uh, do you have any, what do you want to ask? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, when you know, come back. I said, okay. <laughs> Next time I saw him was about 30 years later. <laughs> He was sitting right there. Yeah, no, uh, of course I knew about Swamiji very much, of course. And here's another story. So I went to see him at, um, <clears throat> he's not up here? Come on, who's in charge of these pictures? No, not Swamiji, but Swami Chitanand. Chitananda should be up here. I'm sorry. You really should have him here. Uh, Swami Chitananda was Swami Shivananda's successor, so to speak. Nobody's his successor, but he took over the Divine Life Society after Swami Shivanan left the body. And uh, I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know him. I didn't know anything about Swami Shivananda, except that I saw his picture at uh, Swamiji's programs. So um, I went up to this ashram in upstate New York, Ananda Ashram, and um, Swami Satchitananda was giving a, a weekend up there. So I went up for the one day and I had been to some of his lectures before and I knew that at the end of his lecture he would go like this right so this day he was sitting there on the side of the hill and there was this other very austere looking Swami sitting next to him the shaved head and I just barely noticed him you know and uh, so the lecture was over and I closed my eyes and I was waiting for the Hariyom instead uh, all of a sudden I heard, Shri Ram Jaya Ram Jaya, and my whole body just went, I thought it like plugged into an electric socket. And I was just, I had no idea what that was, who that was or anything, you know, and I wandered out to my car and drove home. That was in 1960, I don't know, eight. I'm not sure if I met Ram Das yet. It might have been 69. I'm not sure when Swami Chitananda was here, but that's when it was. About two or three years later, I'm now in India at Kenchi with Maharaji, up in the mountains of the temple. And uh, a car full of Swamis pulls up, and they all kind of like bowling balls roll out of the car, <laughs> boom, right into Maharaji's room, right? which was unusual, I mean, because usually when the door was closed, you didn't go in, but they just came right, and the door was open for them and went right in. And I was standing outside the room, and I heard, Shri Ram Jaya, the same Shri Ram Jaya Ram. And I went, so I asked, I said, who is this? Who's that? Who's singing? And they said it was Swami Chitananda. And that's who it was three years before. And so this was him again. And it turns out that Maharaji and Swami Chitananda loved each other very much. They were very close. And uh, the story is that Maharaji encouraged Swami Chitananda to accept 
the lead the leadership of the Divine Life Society. He wanted to run off to the mountains after his guru died, but he stayed and took care of everybody for many years. And um, <clears throat> just before he died, I tried to see him. Uh, I was in. I was there. I've become very close with uh, Swami Vimalananda, who now runs the uh, Divine Life Society in Rishikesh, the Shivananda Ashram. And he's just exquisite. He's so wonderful. And he's so kind to me. He calls me, oh, Krishna Das Maharaj. He laughs. <laughs> you know, I would laugh too if I was him. <clears throat> Anyhow, so uh, he was staying, now. he was very ill, and so he wasn't staying in the ashram. He was staying uh, in Dehradun in the house. And I went to the house with my friend, but they didn't let us meet him. He wasn't well that day. But so I figured I kind of lost my chance. And then, just after that, a, a friend of mine who uh, was part of the prison ashram project run, that was run by Bo Loza, Bo's wife, Sita, was very close with Swami Chitananda. She came to India to see him, and she brought a copy of one of my books, The Flow of Grace, and she, which is about Hanuman and about the Hanuman Chalisa, exactly. And she gave it to Swami Chitananda, and she took a picture of him sitting there, lying back on the bed. He's all, they describe him as being all uh, bone and air, something like that. He was just really, he's sitting there reading the book. It's a beautiful picture. I have it somewhere. I should put it up on Facebook somewhere. I'll find it. It's so sweet. So I'm definitely connected to the lineage, but I wasn't that connected to Swami Satchitananda Personally, anyway. But the lineage is the lineage. That's the real thing. Well, maybe. <laughs> well, I, yeah, so I came here, uh, the first time I came, you must all know that story. Didn't, didn't they tell that the other day? In another one of those introductions? You know, the first time I came, so... Uh, it was the first time. So I was instructed that when Swamiji came out of the room and sat in the chair, I had seven minutes to finish whatever I was doing. Not eight, not six, but seven minutes. I, you know, so I saw he had come out, and I looked at my watch. We just finished a chant. And then I wanted to finish the evening with uh, Namashivaya. So I just said, okay, so um, Swamiji's come out, so we'll do a seven-minute Namashivaya. And everybody laughed. And Swamiji laughed. He said, oh, no, 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 no. You just sing. You just sing. So we did our usual three-day Namashivaya. <laughs> and Swami was very kind and patient and loving. And uh, so when I stopped singing, I, I think he came up on stage and, and he asked me to try to, to come every year. And um, I've been coming. <laughs> Yeah, singing, you know, and Swami Vimalananda asked me to sing all the time in the Shivananda temple, in the temple where, where Shivananda's, Swami Shivananda is buried, buried there. His body, it's a, I guess he's buried there, or his ashes. I don't know what they did, but it's there, and they do puja to it. And it's, he asked me to, last time I was there, 
um, it was his birthday, and I wanted to surprise him because usually I'm not there that time of year. But they kind of had to tell him. So he acted, he pretended to be surprised when he came out. And I knew, and he knew I knew, but he said, oh, Christian. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. But he's so, he's so wonderful. He's also very old now. He will be the last uh, president of Divine Life Society, the Shivananda Ashram, that actually met Swami Shivananda. He'll be the last one. But that's just a, a fact. It doesn't imply that the transmission and the lineage doesn't go on. Because it does. It's been going on. It will continue to go on. It has nothing to do with who we think we are. It just goes on. And that's, that's what we come in contact with. And that's what saves us is the transmission of the reality of the truth of who we are from generation to generation by whoever it appears is doing it. One life, it might be this person. One might, might be that person. But it's the same lineage that we sh- we've been involved in, in uh, for many, 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 many. Swami Vimalananda made me, when he was very sick last year, and he, when I finished singing, in front of everybody, he made me promise to keep going there every year. What is it with these Shivananda Swamis? All these promises. Yeah, well, I love them too. It's all about love. It's all about love. It's not about anything else. Not anything else. But if we don't love ourselves, sorry, we could get off on that love thing for a while, but you know, it won't last. So let's make it last by carving out a space for it in our own hearts. What's the sense of going, getting high if you're going to crash? I got high so many times and I crashed so many times, I just got sick of it. <laughs> I said, this is shit. I don't want to do this anymore to myself. So I stopped. And I stopped. But it's, it's such a subtle thing going on. Every time I sit to meditate or to chant, there's a part of me that's trying to get high, you know, trying to get away from myself instead of be here. So you keep noticing these things, and then you can let them go. If you don't notice them, they drive the car, and you're just a passenger. You do the practice to give you the wisdom to look in the right place and to see the stuff that's causing suffering. Yeah. Anybody? Um, so... This is a question I've had for a while, kind of. I About four months ago, I was doing some research online on YouTube um, on Kirtan and came across this video of uh, Kirtan in India. It was 45 minutes long. And the guy was, the leader, was singing the chant in 16 bars. And the congregation was chanting it back in 12 for the entire 45 minutes. Mm. And not a flicker, like, passed on his face, they must have practiced it. No, no, they must and, have taught it that way. Yeah. Um, anyway, and I was like, I, I'm so totally not there yet. <laughs> when Neither I saw I. this, I, I was like, there's no way. But I was wondering if there's something that you do as a practice before you come on stage. 
I, if you're in like a bad mood or oh i love it when i'm in a bad mood okay <laughs> that's when it's really great you know because here i am i have to kind of like hi <laughs> one time here my girlfriend and i had a huge fight just before the afternoon session i was so upset and so pissed off we came, I came in and I sang Sitaram for two hours. I would not talk to anybody. I would not look at anybody. I sang Sitaram for two hours and then I walked out. I don't know if anybody was here then. It was about eight or nine years ago. But it was about Sitaram. You know, it's like, whoa. But by the end of the two hours, you know, fuck her. If she wants to be that like that, she can be like that. <laughs> Sorry. I told you I was going to be good, but I... There's no possibility of that, so let's get over it. But, um, no, I don't do anything special. Because this, this is my, singing with you all is my main practice. I mean, in terms of time done, it's the thing I do most in my life, except maybe sleep, you know. Um, so this has become like the moment when we all can get together and we can really just do it. And, and when I'm angry or upset, that's so great because you have to sing through it. Because I can't, it's like the first time when Maharaji had me sing Hare Krishna. He didn't say, you know, if you don't feel like it, go do something else. Huh. I had to sing my way through all the bullshit in my head and in my heart. Day after day after day, there was no way to change the fucking channel. Because you know what? There's no channel to change. Hello? There's no channel to change. Where's the clicker? It didn't come with this body. There's no clicker. We're here. We're going to be here. If we don't deal with our stuff, it's going to deal with us. Period. So we have to find a way to deal with it. We can do that. If you didn't know that, you wouldn't be here. No matter if you're here for two hours or the first time ever. You got here because you want something. And you know, part of you knows that something is possible. You don't even know what it is. I don't pretend to know what it is. I just know that this little squeeze box, this is my main squeeze. <laughs> That's it. This is it. My baby. So I don't do anything special because this is so special. And my life revolves around getting to the point where I can sit down and sing. You know? You should see what I have to do to get here. Ugh. <laughs> I take like Two suitcases of goddamn supplements. <laughs> it's horrible. I get charged overweight and I'm like fucking platinum. <laughs> I got 43 suitcases and 42 of them are supplements. <laughs> so, you know, this is, this is my practice. So, that's what I do. Can I ask you a follow-up? Hmm. Um, I wanted to know if you find it difficult to be so, such a public persona <laughs> and manage your ego. And if so, how that works for you. That's not a problem at all. <laughs> Do you think it is? <laughs> well... You know, luckily, I have grace. I have Maharaji's grace, his blessings. And um, did you read Chance of a Lifetime, my book? 
I'm going lie. to buy it, I promise. Yeah, you could probably steal it from somebody. Don't get so excited. Oh, okay. But anyway, the whole story's in there. I don't want to... The whole story is what I had to go through once I started singing. I saw what was going to happen. I felt the energy coming you know, towards me from everything. And after about six months, I quit because I saw what was going to happen. And I knew that I couldn't handle it. When you're hungry, you want to eat. You have to eat. And I was hungry. So I was going to gobble this up, just gobble, 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 gobble. And I would be using you for my benefit to feed my hungry desires, whatever they were, for fame, etc. since it's an ashramo. <laughs> And we know that nothing like that goes on here. <laughs> so all that stuff, I saw that was all going to be like gobble, gobble, gobble. And what horrified me was that I knew I couldn't do anything about that. I could not change that. And I was unwilling to continue under those circumstances. And I said to Maharaji, who's of course been dead 30 years, I said, this is your problem. You have to fix this. You have to fix my heart. You have to fix this. I'm singing to people in your name. This is your problem, and I can't do anything about it. You have to fix it. I'm waiting. Nothing happened. So I quit. I quit. And that was it. I was finished. I wasn't going to sing. And then I went, I went to India, and uh, I stayed three months. It's funny, I arrived on the spring solstice and I left on the summer solstice. It was weird. Totally unplanned. And he did. He fixed it. That's why I'm here. Without that, I wouldn't be here. And as far as the ego, I don't care. So what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I know that this is all his game. It looks like me, and it looks like you, to me. That's not what it is. I know that. He showed me that. And he freed me from thinking it's about me. He freed me to really be able to sing 100%, which is something I, I, didn't, I wasn't able to do that first round because I thought it was about me. I thought people really liked me. Wow, this is great, you know. Yeah, she's cute. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe if I start charging for this, I could buy a house. You know, that would be great. Maybe a car or a good coffee maker. <laughs> Not really that gross, but that's what was going on, and I was horrified because I wasn't doing it for that. I was doing it to be reconnected, to deepen my connection with him again, which I felt I had, I had let go. I mean, I had. You know, after he died. And that's why I sing. Yeah. So, but what I want to say is that it was, it was a real experience. You can read it in the book. It's really something happened, and I explain it probably better than I'm talking about it now there. Something really changed. He really changed something in my heart. He changed something. And... 
how does that happen? He's been dead since 1973. How does he change something in my heart? Well, guess what? He may not be dead. The real thing isn't, doesn't die. It's not born either. It's always here. And it's here right now. Right now. Right now. We're here. It's here. So we always have this option. Once we become aware of it, we always have the ability to let go, to open up, to release. You can always let go. Sometimes you throw it away, but it sticks to your hand. Well, keep, you know, keep doing it. Eventually it goes away. It's not automatic. It's something we have to develop. But we, without the grace that we all have, we wouldn't, this, this would be completely, complete, total nonsense. You know, and it might be to some of you now, but maybe next week you say, well, what did he say? Wait a minute. Something's happening here. What is that? So we're planting seeds. Every repetition of the name is a seed that's planted in our mind stream, in our life stream. We're planting seeds. Those seeds will grow. And we don't have to sit around and water them. Hmm, let's see, how are they growing now? It's been 32 seconds. It hasn't grown at all. This is terrible. I mean, I have a lot of anxiety about that. That'll be fun. So we're planting the seeds. So plant the seeds and live your life. Get it, forget about it. Just plant the seeds. Don't think, how did I do this? Who cares? Just plant the seeds and go forward with your life. That's what we have to do. And the practices, they do give us, they do change the way we sit in ourselves. They change the way we sit in ourselves. They change the way we experience our day. Little by little, like I said, if it happens too much, they put you away. They put away this great Baba in India once because he was wandering naked on the English's, English people's uh, tennis courts. <laughs> so they put him in a mental hospital, and then on Thursdays, I think was his holy day, thousands of people would come to the mental hospital to see him. Eventually, they had to let him go. <laughs> he walked around naked all the time, you know. In India, hey, piece of cake, and that's what you do. Even today, there's Babas that sit around like that. They throw rocks at people when they come to them. They, India is just like no other place on the universe. Okay, so it's uh, 10, hi. Give her the mic. Anybody has to leave, if you have an important appointment at the yoga studio, you can go. <laughs> Um, I'm wondering if you can speak about love in relationship to parenting. Well, we kind of touched on that over there. Um, but in terms of one being a parent. Being a parent, yeah. You know, my first, my marriage was just totally, you know, it wasn't good. But I knew that... Uh, I needed my daughter to know that I loved her, regardless of how much I was around, regardless of what the, the atmosphere in the house was, you know. And so I, I tried to do that as much as I could, you know. And um, 
you know, also, we, <clears throat> you know, there's this great story about this great Buddhist um, master who, came, in the time of Buddha, he was living in the jungle. And every day he would come out to beg for his food. So one day he comes out with one of his disciples to beg. And <clears throat> they walk up to this village and there's this hut there. And this guy uh, breaks out laughing. And his disciple says, oh, great one. You know, an enlightened being doesn't laugh without a cause. What could be the cause of your laughter? So the master says, look at that scene. What do you see? So the disciple said, well, there's, a, there's this nice hut, and then there's a woman eating a piece of food, a meat piece of meat, and she's nursing her baby, and then there's the dog there, and she's kicking the dog, keep it away from the food, and stuff like that. And the guy says, you see, she's eating her husband, she's kicking the child from her previous marriage, and she's nursing her enemy. That's why he laughed. He said, oh, what a scene, you know, what a dream. So a lot of times we don't know really who we've been to other people, but because we're in relationship to them, there's karma, you know there's karma there. Sometimes your child, you know, one time Maharaji <clears throat> was sitting around with some of his very old, very, very the sweetest of the old devotees, you know, and there was one guy who was, so sweet, if you look at him, you broke out crying. He was just incredible, right? And then sitting around, Maharaji points to him and said, he was my enemy in our last life. It's inconceivable. The guy was like, you know, you melt, and just to see him, you would, your heart would melt. He was that sweet, you know. Maharaji said, he was my enemy in our last life. Just things like that. So you have to kind of honor the relationship. Sometimes it's very complicated. Sometimes it's very complicated that it, you think it shouldn't be like this. What's going on here? That's why it's the, the, the kind of love that accepts a person for who they are and loves them as they are and then tries to give them whatever guidance you can, even in difficult situations. There's no, you can't make somebody happy and you can't make somebody be who you want them to be or even who you would like them to be, or you would hope them to be. They are who they are. They come in with their package already. Then They don't come in like, you know, completely clean. Everybody's got karmas. That's what brought them here. And they brought, a, they brought our children were brought to us by our own previous connections for us to be able to kind of work through whatever situations we have with them and try to find um, a peaceful way of, of honoring a person, whether it's your child or your parent, it's the same. I'm, I'm the last one, you know, I'm terrible at relationships, everything, so, but I talk good. <laughs> I just can't do anything about it, that's all. Okay, we got to go. Oh, you want, okay, go ahead, take the mic. No. Don't be sorry. I could have said no. I have my boundaries. You have yours. If I didn't want you to talk, I would have said, shut up. We're going. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so why do you wear two rings? You have one on each finger. You know, I knew I should say, shut up. I'm going to get out of here. 
None of your business. Next question. You taught us to how to be aware <clears throat> yesterday, so I'm just paying attention. You're, to me, you're supposed to be paying attention to yourself. <laughs> I'm paying attention to everything. Oh, yeah? Why are you not wearing two rings? I actually don't have any rings. Oh, see? That's what I said. Why are you not wearing two rings? My business. Okay. <laughs> you got it. See you later. Yeah. <laughs>